This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Friday, August 6th, and today we have a whole lot of free agency fallout to break down. We're going to look at what to expect from Kemba Walker, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeMar DeRozan, the New Look Bulls, and a whole lot more. All of that is coming up here in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And right now I'm joined by Ryan Canales, Raphael Johnson, and Dr. A. And guys, I just want to know if anyone's watching, can you see this? The Capella jersey is on. Thank you, Steve. And I've actually been thinking about this because I still owe Ryan a Lou Dort jersey. And as we said on a recent episode, the jersey market is tricky these days. Finding a, sh- a proper jersey is hard. Raph's nodding in agreement. He understands. So I'm thinking, Ryan, while we wait, maybe I need to get a white T-shirt and just write Dort on the front and send that to you as a placeholder. <laughs> Uh, I would wear that with pride on the podcast. So if that's the the solution we land on, I'm I'm game. Not the end solution, but just the <laughs> placeholder option. That would be like a bonus for you because you've already had to wait so long. That sounds great. I'm getting impatient, but you know it it is the international market in jerseys that is the problem, not you, Matt. So I, I appreciate I, that. I appreciate your recognition of that. So thank you. If I made one of you a handmade jersey, it would be a disaster. I have absolutely horrible artist skills and it would be it'd be bad okay change of plans we are farming this out to steve steve is going to be making the door <laughs> the door placeholder jersey steve we'll talk Looked about like designs a, after this i can't wait like a three-year-old did it that's 100 percent what's happening steve why don't i have my four-year-old make one too and we'll see which one turns out better i get to guess who made which and <laughs> okay okay this is good this is good i think maybe next week this time we'll uh we'll debut those something to look forward to in the meantime, guys, we're going to get into some of these big free agent headlines, some of the fallout from these moves. For starters, we already talked about the outlook for a few of these guys on our Monday episode. Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, Lonzo Ball, and John Collins, who is now officially 
an Atlanta Hawk for the next four or five seasons. So go back and listen to that Monday free agency episode for our thoughts on those guys' fantasy outlooks. And I'll also say, just as a preamble, we're not going to spend time on things like Jimmy Butler signing max extension with the Heat or Trey Young with the Hawks because that's big NBA news for fantasy. It's big NBA news, but for fantasy, we know the deal with those guys. So mainly focusing on things that have changed. Let's begin with some changes of address and some recent news from Friday. Kelly Oubre joining the Hornets reportedly two years, 26 million. Raph, at first glance, this is kind of a tough landing spot fantasy-wise. You've got LaMelo, Rogier, Hayward. Miles Bridges was good down the stretch. P.J. Washington. They drafted James Booknight. Do you think Oubre can get enough minutes to stay fantasy relevant, Raph? No, I think he'll play. He'll be in the rotation for sure, but I don't see him having the opportunity to be a fantasy-relevant player. Apologies to all the Tsunami Poppy fans out there, but I don't really see it happening for him down there just because if you're Charlotte, do you want to play him to the point where you're stunning the growth of, say, a Miles Bridges? Like, I don't know if you want to play him that much. Even with that price tag, I, like I said, I think he'll be a rotation guy. I just don't think he'll be fantasy-relevant. Steve, Ryan, what, one of you guys want to jump in here and have any thoughts? Can you offer a more optimistic vantage point on Ubre, Ryan? More optimistic in that I'll say fantasy relevant for sure. But this is a guy who per 36 minutes has never been better than top 100. So he needs playing time to get out there. Last year, he was basically top 150, I think, in 30 minutes per game. So it's a strange landing spot because he said repeatedly that he wasn't satisfied with a six-man role. He didn't like playing a diminished role for the Warriors last year. And you'd think that as a free agent, he'd be able to pick and choose exactly the spot he wanted to show the range of his game and all those things. And as you said, landing in Charlotte does not seem to fulfill those desired goals. Uh, just a really crowded wing rotation and backcourt. So no matter where they view him, He's going to be fighting for playing time. So unless they have more moves up their sleeve, which is very possible, I don't love it. You know, as long as Gordon Hayward is is healthy, that is, Ubre is going to have a tough time. So I think he'll probably go overdrafted mostly. Steve, did you and Ubre have a falling out last year? Do I have that right? There were two guys last year that I kind of hitched my wagon to. And one of them was Kelly Ubre, and the other was Robert Covington. Well, there were like 12 guys I hitched my wagon to, but there were two that I'm still still mad at and still not over. And it's Covington and Kelly Oubre. And I was already moving on and done with Kelly Oubre. I mean, if he could not go off for that Golden State team last year without Clay Thompson, I don't know what else to say. Like, if you can't get it done when you've got the ball in your hands that much and that much of the spotlight is on you, then what's going to happen when you're just another piece of a puzzle for a mediocre Charlotte team? I'm out unless he's sitting there in like 10, 11, 12. I do agree with that. And I do think there's a chance, you know, if he, if he does fall to the later rounds, there is a blueprint for him maybe to be productive. I mean, for all of his struggles last year, he still averaged around 15.6 boards, nearly a steal and a block with 1.63s. So maybe even in like a lower volume role, you know, he could have some late round value, maybe like 12, 13 points, six boards, you know, some steals, blocks and threes. I guess we all feel pretty lukewarm about this it's one. Pretty, I was going to say that's a tepid, tepid take, man. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to say that that is fantasy relevant, then I guess I would change my answer. But for me personally, <laughs> I have a bit higher standard for fantasy relevant. Wow, the champ, the champ I'm, from I'm the last saying. Roto World League dropping the hammer on us. Did you hear that? Matt, if that's good enough for you to be eliminated by me in the playoffs, yeah, go ahead. And do that. <laughs> but, uh, I hold myself to a higher standard. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. All right, so Ubre is 25, but 
his career has kind of hit a weird spot, a guy with a lot of upside, but not an upside situation in Charlotte. It doesn't look like. So let's go on to the Wizards. They have added Spencer Dinwiddie. It's three years, 62 million, reportedly a sign and trade. He's coming off a torn ACL, only played three games for the Nets. The year before, though, you know, 20 and a half points, nearly seven dimes, 1.93s. The downside to that is he only had 0.6 steals, Ryan, and shot just 42%. What are your thoughts on Dinwiddie and D.C.? Well, yes, you you touched on the two big red flags for me, which is health and efficiency. Uh, A guy Mm -hmm. who's going to hurt your field goal percentage. uh, He's fine at the free throw line, but not even elite there. You know, 77.8% in the 2019-20 season. He'll get you dimes, but doesn't steal the ball. So those are problems. When you have a point guard who's not going to be a boost at the free throw line, who's not going to get you any steals, and who's going to hurt your field goal percentage and turn the ball over prolifically, as he did with 2.7 turnovers per game in that 2019-20 season when he was playing on ball with the most responsibilities he's probably ever had. I just don't like how that projects for fantasy. From a real-world fit, I quite like Dinwiddie next to Beal. I think that they could be a, a very impactful backcourt, but for fantasy, he's never really tickled my fancy. It's kind of surprising that from that season when he played so much point guard for Brooklyn, you know, he was only like a 13th round guy. It seemed like his numbers were better than that. Like he was scoring a lot of points, handing out some assists, and he was kind of like catching moments on Sports Center and, and TV and highlights. But when you add his whole game together, like Brian said, there's just not a lot going on there that's going to turn him into like a fifth or sixth round guy. I think because of his name and because he's going to be kind of the man in Washington now, I think he's going to be overdrafted and I'm probably going to let somebody else have it. Yeah, Raph, where are you on this one? I fully expect him to be overdrafted as well. The role sets up well for him, but as you guys noted prior, he's never really been a great fantasy player in terms of his numbers. I think he, the highest he's been ranked was 102 in his career. And so, you know, I think he's going to be one of those players whose real life value outweighs his fantasy value. But because of the role, people are going to draft him probably sooner than he should go in most leagues. Yeah, like you guys said, for a guy who averaged 20 and 7, it's one of the worst fantasy seasons you could have while averaging those numbers. So I'm, I'm on board with this idea that Dinwiddie probably gets overdrafted and definitely letting someone else draft him ahead of me. Meanwhile, another team in the East that has had a big roster makeover, that would be the Chicago Bulls. They added Lonzo Ball. We talked about his fantasy potential thinking he'd be in a Pelicans uniform when we when we spoke on Monday. My feelings still hold there. I really like Ball, even in Chicago. The team also added Alex Caruso and then DeMar DeRozan. So, Steve, throwing this to you, how does the DeRozan addition and then Lonzo, to some extent, impact this team when it comes to fantasy? Feels like someone's stats are going to have to suffer here with so many guys who want to get numbers. How do you see this playing out, Steve? Well, you also have to take into consideration that we have Olympics Levine coming back and Levine has escalated his game basically every year he's been in the league. Like he's become a really, really good player. There's not maybe enough basketballs to go around. Cross Laurie Markinen off the Bulls list finally. He's going to get a fresh start somewhere else, which is good for him. But you've got Vooch, you've got Pat Williams, who's going to get a ton of minutes of power forward this year. You got DeRozan, you got Levine, Lonzo Ball, and you still have Kobe White who can score as a shooting guard. So, I mean, there's, I'm not really sure how that's all going to work. And, and these guys haven't played together before. So it'll be interesting to see 
what happens there. I think Lonzo is safe to get his 13 points and, and seven assists. You know, that's what he does. Levine's going to be the guy that should score 30 a game for that team. But I don't know with DeRozan there if they're how those two are going to work together. So it's a little weird to see all those guys in Chicago. And I'm kind of glad DeMar DeRozan is out from under the thumb of Greg Popovich. It'll be interesting to see if he shoots threes and what he does for the Bulls this year. But I guess my thought is it's going to be weird. Ryan, what, where do you land on this one? How do you see this shaking out? I think volume is going to be the problem for DeRozan, a guy who's enjoyed at least 26% usage every single year since 2013-14 with Toronto. I don't know how he gets there with this roster, uh, especially playing alongside Zach Levine. And I like it in reality well enough. It gives them another guy who can create half-court offense, something that Lonzo Ball isn't great at yet, so that takes some pressure off their big two scorers, Levine and and Vooch. It'll be an interesting fit spacing-wise and things like that. But yeah, I just don't see him having the ball in his hands quite enough because a big chunk of his value comes at the free throw line, 88% from the line Mm -hmm. last year on 7.2 attempts. Is he going to have the ball enough to get there seven times per game? I don't think so. And he's also made a big leap because he's not a three-point shooter and has not developed that. We've seen halting starts in that direction, but he abandoned that with San Antonio. But his assist pickup, and he was at almost seven per game last year, which was a huge boost for fantasy and propelled him into the top 50, almost top 40 range. That's the impression people have, right? I'm going to have to spend a top 50 pick to get him. And yet those pillars of his fantasy value are going to be pretty hard to attain in Chicago. I look at that roster. I think Patrick Williams is going to end up being a wild card for this group. Obviously, he can get you defensive numbers, but I think he's going to be de-emphasized even more as an offensive threat. So I think mm-hmm. for everyone who wants to be following Summer League, following how he progresses as a perimeter shooter may be one of the biggest subplots in Las Vegas because he's not going to get too many chances with the ball in his hands with that lineup. Um, I think he's a valuable piece for the Bulls, but more so defensively than offensively right now. And I think this is a depth now for Kobe White as a fantasy option. I know you mentioned him as a guy they could potentially use as a scoring underside too, but with that lineup, I think you're going to see more staggering of minutes between, like, say, DeRozan and and, uh, Levine to make sure those guys can be marquee perimeter options for longer stretches, and you will see them playing together. And that's going to hurt Kobe White. You also have Alex Caruso. I'm assuming he's going to be the backup point guard at that price tag. Uh, Kobe White had a chance to win that starting point guard job this past season, and he really couldn't do it. You know, he had some moments scoring, but he really wasn't that good as a facilitator. So I think he's going to be the one who takes the biggest hit, and I'm really watching Patrick Williams to see if he can improve that jump shot to where it can be a, a consistent part of his game. Yeah, that price tag for Alex Caruso that you mentioned, I think was four years, $37 million. And the way I look at this is, number one, I'm so happy because I think, once again, we have a reason for people to doubt Nikola Vucevic in fantasy, to underrate him once again. I think people are going to say, oh, man, look how crowded that roster is. Vooch is going to have to give up some. I don't think so. Vooch does it year after year, continue to please doubt him. I, I think Vooch is going to get his because he's the focal point down low. That spot of the full, he owns and, and on the perimeter to some extent. But I think Vooch is going to get his. I think the way I kind of see it is DeRozan and Levine maybe are going to steal a little bit of each other's stats. I, I knocked DeRozan down probably first. You know, he averaged almost 22 points and seven dimes last year. I think he's going to take a hit. And I think Levine may have to sacrifice a little bit. 
but I think we're all probably going to overreact to that. The guy I'm really bumping down is DeRozan, I'd say, overall. I would agree with that. Did you hire LeBron James to write that speech about Vooch? Go ahead. Keep doubting. Keep doubting Vooch. Let me draft him. <laughs> keep talking. I'm actually more worried about DeRozan than I am Kobe White, honestly. Yeah, I'm worried about Kobe White because Lonzo Ball is there in his way. And Caruso, too, like Roth said. And Caruso might be the best defensive point guard in the league, if not one of the top three. Well, Drew, Drew Holiday's better. But Caruso's a really, really good defensive player. He's going to be on the court just for that reason alone, I think. DeMar DeRozan is not a three-point shooter. He's not a big steals guy. He's, not, he's never... Even when he's been really, really good, he's never been like a fantasy monster. And I, I just feel like just relative to fantasy value, I think he's going to take a bigger hit than Kobe White is. I wouldn't draft Kobe White, put it that way. I, mm-hmm. I didn't like him last year. And even when he was given the lead point guard opportunity for months at a time earlier in the season, he did nothing with it. That's not his role. And yes, we've seen him really thrive as a, as a scorer off the bench. And that's probably the niche he will fill. But that, to me, is not nearly enough for fantasy value, especially now that he has so much added competition. Uh, you mentioned Caruso. He's going to get a ton of minutes. So, But yeah, I'm, I'm staying way away from Kobe White. Okay, moving to another notable team in the East that made some changes. Raph, your New York Knicks have been busy. As we discussed on the month, Raph is clapping. As we hinted at on the Monday <laughs> episode, they did indeed pick up Olympic star Evan Fournier. I think could be up to four years, $78 million. They surprised some people... With another big move, looks like they're adding Kemba Walker as Oklahoma City is buying him out. So, Raph, what are your thoughts? And that's not all they did, by the way. Your thoughts on this new-look Knicks squad and the fantasy outlooks of Fournier, Kemba, and others? I think we did a good job. Point guard was the position that they really had to address. Obviously, Kemba's had some knee issues in recent years. Even with that being said, he's an upgrade on Alfred Payton. You know, they bring back Derrick Rose as well. So, I think the combo of those two can get you to 48 minutes in a better spot than they would have been than they were with Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose combined. I think Alfred Payton played a total of like 15 minutes in the playoff series against the Hawks. He couldn't be out on the court eventually. Arguably too many minutes. Mm -hmm. Now you bring back Alec Burks, who is a really effective scorer off the bench for them. You bring him back, you bring Nerland's Noel back. I think Nerland's, I think once again, he's going to be a fantasy stud. Um, He gets you blocks. He can get you some steals, the rebounds as well. It makes you wonder where they are with Mitchell Robinson. But Mitchell's been really banged up. We don't know for sure if he's going to be ready when the season starts. So I think Nerland's at the starting center, given how much they're going to pay him. Maybe he ends up getting overdrafted to a certain extent, but I don't think you can go too high with him. I wouldn't see him as like a first four or five rounds type player, but I think shortly after that, for me personally, I would be on that bandwagon because of what he can give you in other areas. The the contracts that they've agreed to are pretty team friendly, I think. So if they have to change paths, so to speak, you know, a star comes available that they may want to make a move for, they can do that, I think, a little bit easier than what we expected when those agreements were first announced. Is there a chance, Ryan, that... I feel like Tibbs is either going to be the best thing that could happen for Kemba or the absolute worst. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the load management and the the minutes and all that were the issue for Kemba, right? It's not his skill set that's deteriorating before our eyes. It's his durability. So he now goes to a coach who famously loves to run his guys into the ground. How do you see this marriage working between Kemba and Tibbs? I will say at least there is a glimmer of of hope that he won't just burn out Kemba's knees within the first month. When you look at Derrick Rose and how he, he was willing to limit his minutes, 
keep him in a reserve role, which made it easier to play him certain stints and keep those minutes in check. So hopefully Tibbs has surrounded himself with a coaching staff that will be in his ear constantly. Hey, Kemba can't play 42. But yeah, I mean, the, the durability is the biggest concern, right? And he still has that name brand cachet. So people want Kemba. And there's that effect kind of I was thinking of this with Dinwiddie, where in the middle rounds of drafts, we've seen there's kind of a point guard desert. And if you haven't secured your number one and two point guards by that point, you're kind of scrambling. So a player like Kemba for sure is going to be going in the fifth round, probably somewhere in there, simply because he has that upside that we've seen. And people are, you know, optimism springs eternal on draft day. Everyone thinks, hey, maybe his knees are suddenly healthy. Well, they're not. uh, So I, I won't be touching him but I I love just at a broad point about the Knicks I love their moves I think from a team that surprised last year really had an identity by the end of the year they can rely on internal development uh Julius Randle maybe can get even better Uh, RJ Barrett obviously has has growth and yeah to lock up all those key pieces Nerlens Noel is huge so I quite quite like where the Knicks are going so Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose between them have about what one and three quarter (laughs) knees is that, is that correct? If you take all their partial meniscuses and put them together, you can get a, get a healthy one. You get one meniscus. So we've got one and three-quarter knees and one meniscus between the two of those guys. <laughs> so I don't – and you've got Thibs who likes to play his guys heavy minutes. So that's going to be interesting. If they can, you know, combine Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose into one guy that can play 30 minutes a night and – put up good numbers, then then it's going to work out. I'm kind of sad that Emmanuel quickly is going to get lost and buried am- among this veteran mm-hmm. look that they have going, because I really like quickly. Alfred Payton and Frank Nielakina, I don't know that we'll ever see them again. R.J. Barrett really needs to take a step forward this year. Evan Fournier, as Matt said, Olympics hero, playing really well in the Olympics. That's going to be good for his confidence coming into New York. That's kind of an exciting ad for the Knicks, I think. It's underrated, underrated move. They re-signed Julius Randle, which is huge. And now my only question remaining about the Knicks is, are we ever going to see Mitchell Robinson break out? Because for the last two or three years, we've all, or at least I've been all in on Mitchell Robinson. And that has been a disaster. So Nerlens Noel plays pretty well for that team. Taj Gibson is sort of like Tibbs' adopted son. And then you've got Mitchell Robinson just flopping around out there injured all the time. I need to see him break out, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Mitchell Robinson's foul trouble has always been a problem, too. And he came into last year explicitly saying, I'm working on my defensive stances. I'm not reaching. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And we saw the same exact problems for their heads. Plus, he's got multiple injuries. And the last report we had about him in late June was that he weighed 23 pounds more than his listed playing weight from last year, which theoretically was a good thing because it was muscle. But I'm like, I don't know if I want a guy with multiple lower body injuries packing on 20 plus pounds during the offseason. It doesn't make me confident. And the chances of that being muscle versus fat are about 50-50. Yeah. Ouch, Steve. Steve just hard, hard, hard slams on Mitchell Robinson. We're we're taking shots at your team. Sorry. The guy wasn't bad before he got hurt last year on 8.8 boards, a steal, and a block and a half. I mean, I think those blocks could have been higher, but a career low in fouls per game. I don't know. He's never going to be like a 16 and 14 guy, I don't think. But he's still like a... I guess he's at this point, he's probably just a serviceable fantasy center. I thought he made strides before he got hurt last year, to be honest with you. But yeah, you look at, you've got Noel, who, if I'm not mistaken, was a top 100 player last season. So 
let me double check that. But, you know, I think you've got Noel. Todd Gibson is going to get his minutes as well. There were times when he was out of the rotation when both of those guys were healthy. But as I think it was Ryan who mentioned it, or maybe Steve, but Tibbs can't seem to quit Todd Gibson with good reason. You know, he's a great locker room guy for them, no matter where he's been with Tibbs, be it Chicago or New York. So he's going to be in their plans quickly is going to fill a similar role as far as I'm concerned, where he's going to be kind of that undersized scoring combo guard for them. He was at his best last season when he played alongside Derrick Rose, and I think we're going to see a similar setup Mm -hmm. this year. Obviously, you would prefer to see him on the ball more. You know, he he could have some point guard capabilities. We just haven't had the opportunity to see it. Maybe we'll see that during summer league. I don't know. But yeah, I think he's headed towards a similar role this season. Maybe year three is when we can expect a bit of a bump for quickly when it comes to making plays for other people. I think we should just stop the charade when it comes to Taj Gibson. Just whatever Tom Thibodeau's contract is, just put a little clause in at the bottom that Taj Gibson will have a contract for the duration of Tibbs being the coach, regardless of age. Like, Let's just get this over with. It's a charade signing into a one-year deal again. We know Taj is going to be there if Tibbs is there. Noel was a top 75 player last year. Okay. So. I agree with you Kemba, about Kemba and the wishful thinking, like maybe his knees are healthy. That's dangerous thinking when it comes to fantasy. And I just want to say about Fournier, before the trade to Boston, just a reminder, he was really good. He averaged almost 20 points per game, nearly four assists, a steal, 2.83s, good percentages. Reggie Bullock is gone. Fournier is in, I mean, I don't think 20 points, maybe, actually. I mean, could he could easily be, well, Kemba's there, but a sneaky, like, 2A option for this team and and have another good year. So I I really like Fournier as a guy who's probably going to get forgotten in fantasy draft to some extent. Agreed. Okay, let's move on. Those were the two big teams. Now we've got more singular player moves here now the rest of the way. So we mentioned Lonzo Ball is gone from New Orleans. Devontae Graham has joined the Pelicans. It's four years, 47 million in a sign and trade. Last year, he was around 15 points, five assists, a steal, 3.33s. But we know with Devontae Graham, the issue is shooting he shot 38 percent from the floor so you know to some extent i i I don't know what my read is on this one because he was much better the year before right in terms of counting stats 18 points seven and a half assists took a step back this year with Lamelo ball there etc terry rogier playing so well so steve do you have expectations for Devontae graham with the pelicans like is there a chance he can improve on that 15 points five assists yeah i think he bounces back closer to where he was a couple years ago I think playing alongside Rozier and with LaMelo Ball uh, last year, like you said, it just it made it tough for him, and he wasn't really the man. And I think I'm actually really, really excited about the New Orleans backcourt of Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Devontae Graham together. I think that's going to be pretty fun. I really hope NAW fully breaks out this season. I have mm-hmm. a feeling the hype machine at Sports Edge is going to kind of be rolling on him by the time – draft time gets here in a month and a half. But as far as Graham goes, yeah, I mean, I think he's a mid-level fantasy point guard with that lineup. There's a dynamic that we need to discuss here is that Zion Williams, in fact, you know, as we saw last year, they did more work to put the ball in his hands as a primary playmaker. Mm-hmm. With the mm-hmm. coaching change, does that continue? You know, I think that's the big question here. And I think that's going to have an impact on Graham as far as his assists are concerned. Because if Willie Green comes in and says, all right, we want the ball in Zion's hands, just as it was the second half of last season, you know, Devontae may be in more catch-and-shoot situations. You know, maybe that improves his percentages, but at what cost? 
in terms of the mm-hmm. assist, right. setting up other guys for those opportunities. So I think that's the big question here. And, and as we've seen with the reports, you know, you got some people around Zion who aren't too happy. So if it takes putting the ball in his hands even more to make sure that he remains satisfied so you don't have another Anthony Davis-like situation, you know, that, that's yeah. the big thing to consider here, in my opinion. It's a good point. And they're going to be playing through the post a lot regardless. Now you have Jonas Valanciunas alongside Zion. Zion's probably going to be out of the paint more. Get the ball in his hands. Let the offense flow through him. And Devontae Graham, is, as good as he is, he hasn't really shown that from the point of attack, if, if he can't get off his pointer, that he can break down defenses with his, with his dribble and create offense by himself. So I, I almost like him better as a sort of secondary playmaker, not necessarily the lead guy all the time. And don't be surprised if he faces some heat from Kira Lewis, uh, who had some really good stretches last year. If they're leaning into the youth movement with that backcourt and Nikhila Alexander-Walker, uh, I think Lewis is going to get plenty of opportunities to to make his case as well. Leaning into the youth movement, let's get that old guy Lonzo Ball out of here. 23 years old. We've seen enough. I don't know what the hell the Pelicans were thinking not keeping Lonzo Ball, to be honest with you. I really don't like that for them in real life, but I do echo the sentiments of it fantasy-wise. It's going to be fun to see these young guys, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and maybe Kyrilis Jr., like you said, Ryan, get their chance. So we have more free agency news to hit, but first we are going to take a very quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hear the Olympics like you have never heard them before with the Podium and NBC Olympics podcast. Follow along with host Lauren Shahadi as we bring you deep into the stories and behind the curtains each day during the Tokyo Olympics. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Steve, this next one comes your way. Your guy, Kelly Olynyk has signed a three-year, $37 million deal with the Pistons. Now, you've got Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant in the front court there. We know those guys are going to earn minutes. So as spectacular as Kelly Olynyk was down the stretch, the Houston days... The glory days of Houston Kelly are over. But I will say, when you look at this Detroit front court, it's still kind of thin behind those top two guys. So I'm kind of thinking Olenek could be more valuable than some people expect. He steps into, you know, Mason Plumley is gone. He's now with the Hornets, I believe. So your thoughts on your guy, Kelly Olenek, Steve, make the case. I, he was my guy last year, but that's because he was nobody else's guy. Like, he was just a guy that you could go pick up at the end of your draft or even off, off waivers and throw him out there, and he, I, I knew he was going to have a good year for Houston last year. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. And he did. He had a great year. 
And even with Christian Wood being there, even when Christian Wood was healthy, Olenek was still getting it done. He can play power forward. He can play center. Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart are going to get a lot of minutes at those two big man positions for Detroit. But they paid Olenek a pretty decent chunk of change to have him there. And I don't think he's there just to sit on the bench. And I think he proved that he's an inside-outside player last year. He proved that he's a good player. And, you know, Detroit is going to try to win games this year. I mean, I think they, with their drafting of Cade Cunningham and, and the pieces they have in place, they think they can make some noise in the East. And I think if that's going to happen, Olenek needs to be a part of that. I'm not going to – I don't even know what Olenek's fantasy value was last year. I didn't look at it, but I'm guessing it was like sixth or seventh round. Kind of a tale of two seasons, but yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm thinking – that if Olenek is sitting there in round seven or eight, I'm not going to be afraid to take him. I like that. Nor would I, because as you mentioned, the front court isn't that deep, but really their whole second unit doesn't seem to have much of an identity, uh, especially scoring the ball. And Olenek has shown that he can do just that. He's really potent per minute for fantasy. Not the guy is not going to hurt you anywhere, can kind of contribute across the board. I'm hoping that that huge run with Houston doesn't inflate his value too much because I'm with you, Steve. I would I would love for him to fall to me towards the back half of those middle rounds. I think that would be a solid value for a guy with multi-position eligibility and a player who, you know, maybe Isaiah Stewart is still banked up a little. He gets even more minutes. I mean, even in his reserve role, I think mid-rounds is safe, put it that way. Raph, are you about on the same wavelength when it comes to Olenek? Yeah, I think middle rounds is about where I would take him ceiling-wise. Yeah, as you mentioned with Stewart, we don't know how healthy he's going to be when the season starts. He's not playing in the summer league, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But it's not like he played poorly to where Detroit's going to give up on him. He was an all-rookie selection. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's obviously going to be in the rotation. You get Olenek as one of your consistent scores in that second unit. That, that'll be interesting to watch. You know, they got Corey Joseph coming back as well. They're going to play Cunningham and Killian Hayes together. Dwayne Gacy's made that clear that they see those two working in concert with each other. Obviously, there's going to have to be some sort of stagger in the minute to where one of those guys on a quarter of time. But I think Olenek's going to have good, consistent middle-round value. Um, you know, the trade from Miami to Houston got him paid, and it may get him overdrafted in some fantasy leagues as well just because of how well he played in Houston. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Hopefully that doesn't bear out. Uh, the only yeah. other player I would mention who I'm enticed by here is Sadiq Bey. I think he he was coming off a really impressive kind of out-of-nowhere rookie season. So he'll he'll definitely be on my draft boards. A strange one. We, we have just about a handful of quick-hitting player notes here to discuss. And this is a former Piston, a strange free agency note. Andre Drummond, now with Philly. Ryan, you wanted to add this one to the agenda. Raph is shaking his head. What <laughs> What is going on here? I wanted to add it to the agenda, mostly because I'm curious what, what you gentlemen think. This was a head-scratcher for me. Uh, and I, I know that he basically couldn't stay on the court at times last year. He's just not cut out for playing against stretch fives and, mm-hmm. you know, o- offensively has huge deficits. And you, you just, you can't, it's not a guy you're going to throw the ball to and expect anything good to come out of it on the offensive end. Teams can send him to the line. Obviously, we know it's deficits, but... Still a player who can make a big impact defensively, one of the best rebounders in the league. So I guess my question to shift the focus to fantasy is, do you guys view him like, is he still a mid-round pick if you are punting free throw percentage? I don't think so. Raph's shaking his head, and I think I agree. <laughs> Go ahead, Raph. Can't do it. How much is he going to play? you got Joel Embiid. It's not like he's backing up some stiff. He's backing up 
one of the two or three best centers in the NBA. So as long as Joel stays healthy, I don't really know how much you're going to get out of Drummond minutes-wise. And and as Ryan noted with the skill set, I don't think you're going to see them out there together all that much, if at all. So what are we looking at? Like 15 minutes a game for Drummond? And I don't know if that's going to be enough for him across the board. Now, the one positive there is that how much can you foul a guy in 15 minutes? So maybe you may not have to punch free throws, you know, in that situation. Oh, but yeah, I would be willing to take a late round flyer on him because of Joel Embiid's medical history. But that's about as high as I'd be willing to go on him. Yeah, like in a super deep league, maybe like in our we play in yeah. a 30 team league. I, I, Drummond's going to get drafted in that league, obviously. And like he could be a real if you play in crazy deep leagues, I could see 15 minute Drummond being a guy who you'd have on a roster in a lineup. Steve. Yeah, it's just it's just weird because he's he's been so dominant at rebounding and been a good scorer and, and a good shot blocker with some steals thrown in. Yet he's almost undraftable even when things are going well. And now he's looking at 15 minutes in Philly. I, I just I can't do it. What a strange career. I mean, I can't think of many guys at his age. He's about to turn 28 who we've seen their stock in real real life stock just crater like this. I wish you would have asked me his age. How old do you think Andre Drummond is, Steve? 28. Ah, he's 27, actually, four more days. I probably would have said like 38, 37. Dang, that was a big missed opportunity. Come <laughs> it on. really was. Off-season really mode, was. I got to get it together. It's tough it with together. Drummond, too, because even if you paired him with Embiid in your draft and thinking, you know, if Embiid gets hurt, well, I got my backup big man. But suddenly now he changes your whole fantasy team's philosophy if he's tanking free throw right. percentage. So that's a tough one. He's a guy who came along like a decade too late. If you think about his skill yeah. set and the fit in the right. modern NBA, it's an odd fit. So, yeah, he came along a bit too late. Uh, I think we got those good years out of him. And I think he's going to be more of like a backup type guy for the remainder of his career, unfortunately. Hence, he's taken Dwight Howard's old role with Philly. It's almost uh, kind of a perfect right. analog. Although I can't wait for the first game and Bede misses and Drummond's going to jack up like six threes, try to pull a Joel, just just <laughs> hoisting up threes. I cannot wait. <laughs> a few quick hits before we go. Uh, Rashawn Holmes back with the Kings. A little bit surprising, I guess. For a minute there, it looked like maybe he was gone, Ryan. Four years, $55 million, according to Shams Trania. Anything to say here other than he's back? The landscape's pretty good for him there. We kind of expect this, more of the same from Rashawn Holmes, right? Yeah, this gets a big shrug from me. Uh, You know, he's had good seasons, so he's not going to be under the radar fantasy player. You're going to have to pay to get him. Doesn't do much for me. I was worried. I thought the Kings were going to get outbid for his services, and then they were going to be stuck Mm -hmm. with whatever else they had there. Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, and rookie Nemeus Keita. So... I'm thankful that they that they retained him just for the optics because I do have to watch Kings games. Okay, Steve, this is yours. Norm Powell back with the Blazers. Five years, 90 million. Steve, one of the biggest Norm Powell fans on the planet. He wasn't quite as good with Portland, but he was still good, Steve. So where are you going to be thinking about Norm Powell in fantasy drafts? Uh, round eight. Round eight. He might be gone. You're thinking about him too late, I think. I don't know, man. I I felt like last year he should have been drafted earlier than he was, and he was just falling to the very end of drafts. And I don't know that he did enough last year to really change how people think about him going into this year. I mean, I I feel like he's going to be there in seven eight. That's where I'm going to target him. Ryan, you're you're nodding. You agree? 
Nodding, yeah. I, I think if he falls there, that's a reasonable range for him. I'm a little just bewildered. I'm trying to think about Portland's moves this offseason. And going into this, we knew Damian Lillard is disgruntled. He wants to win a championship. Portland's got to make some moves. And what have they done? Nothing that really moves the needle as far as I can tell. So retaining Norman Powell is a fine move. But you look at his role with Portland last year, the minutes were there, but the production really wasn't. So not a guy I'm enthusiastic to target. Uh, if he does fall to round eight, fine. Yeah, they literally, literally did almost nothing. <laughs> what are they trying? I, I don't get it. Reverse psychology. They're like, we'll get Damian Lillard to stay by... He thinks we're going to do something, but we'll do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they, <laughs> they, the they printed calendars from last year. They're trying to like gaslight him into thinking it's still last season. All I'm going to say about Portland is that the governor better have a list of top executives available to her because Neil O'Shea, he ain't cut it. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. All right. This one was a big wow to me, and I don't know if it was for you guys, but Duncan Robinson getting $90 million from the Heat really blew me away. Five years, $90 million. I mean, I know the guy is a good shooter and all of that, but I don't know. That just feels like maybe <laughs> the biggest overpay of free agency to me, Raph. Were you similarly shocked that by that contract? Um, I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. For me personally, it just shows the value of mastering the fundamentals. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys watch some of these skill trainers and some of the stupid human pet tricks that they have their young basketball players attempting to do in the gym. This guy is an elite shooter, and he just got $90 million. That shows you the value of just working on the fundamentals and establishing as an, yourself as an elite in one area. So the mm-hmm. price tag may be a bit much, but he's going to get you at least three three-pointers per game in fantasy. I think he averaged like three and a half this past season. And you've got Kyle Lowry there. you got Jimmy Butler. They've got Victor Oladipo back on a one-year kind of make good type of deal. He's going to have a wealth of catch-and-shoot opportunities down there. Now, I don't know if that's going to help you too much in terms of assists, but you hit four three-pointers a game, that's 12 points right there. And he's never been a bad percentage shooter either. So, mm-hmm. hey, kudos to Duncan Robinson on getting paid. I, I'm happy for him, man. And I think it's not my money, oh, yeah. but I'm not going to call him overpaid, you know? No, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. I was just, that one really got a double take out of me when I saw yeah. that number for him. Mm-hmm. He's fully a category specialist. And, Raph, yeah. you mentioned all those catch and, sh- catch and shoot opportunities. And last year, get this. 95.6% of his field goals made were assisted. 97% of his three-pointers. On shots wow. within five feet, 90% were on assists. The guy is not driving the ball. He is he is mm-hmm. cutting, he, you know, off-ball movement, which to his credit, he's improved at because teams absolutely loaded up on him on the arc last year, and he still shot over 40%. And he diversified his game just enough to keep defenses honest. But those numbers are just mind-blowing to me, like, that is his niche, and he is sticking in his lane. I wonder how many times he dribbled last year. That that would be <laughs> that would be something. One more, Gary Trent Jr. Three years, fifty-four million to stay with the Raptors. Steve, I think our dreams of the Malachi Flynn, Fred VanVleet backcourt may have just died, even if they were ever even alive. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you also got Goran Dragic there too, right? In Toronto. You so if he stays, yes. yeah, that's not going to help our Malachi. No, that's true. Fred Very Van Vliet situation either. <laughs> Gary Trent Jr., good shooter. I, I don't know. I, I remember Gallagher and I fighting over Gary Trent Jr. the last couple of years, and I, I don't really know why that was happening. I'm probably not <laughs> going to be fighting with anyone for Gary Trent Jr. this year. 
He's just the he's the three point shooter. Never he's averaged more a, than one point four assists. He's not as good as Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Any final thoughts <laughs> um, on GTJ before we go? Let, let's see what happens with Dragic because I'm not thoroughly convinced that he's going to stay in Toronto. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, because I, you've heard, I've heard reports about you know him possibly wanting to go to Dallas. Obviously, he's paired for Luka Doncic. You know, they won a right. Euro Basket title for Slovenia. So let's see what happens there. And I think you also have Scotty Barnes to consider as well, kind of a multi-positional rookie. I'm sure they're going to want to get him some minutes. And I think Trent, if they can, I don't see Malachi Flynn starting. Yeah, I think you can go with the backboard of Van Vliet and Trent at least early on, and that may help his value to a certain extent. But, yeah, like the guys mentioned, he's never been much of a facilitator. That being said, he should have more opportunity to do it with this team than he did even last season once he joined the Raptors or even before that in Portland. So let's see what happens. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back on Monday with more from a busy offseason, the Olympics wrapping up, summer league getting going, and more. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Ryan, Raph, Steve, thanks to you guys as well. See you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.